0: So, we're making our way through the book of Luke, and uh, today we're talking about the temptation of Jesus. And uh, before we get into, actually, even before we even read the passage, I want to um, share with you something that relates to kind of one of the main points of our message today, and that is. Um, So Ligonier Ministries, in concert with LifeWay Research, every two years does a survey. They call it the State of Theology. And uh, basically what it is, in in 2022, a total of 3,011 surveys were completed uh, from January 5th to the 23rd of January in 2022. And it was a demographically balanced online panel was used for interviewing adults, American adults. And then within that survey, um, they also ask four questions. And I want you to hear the four questions, okay? Uh, Or or I guess ask about four statements. So uh, one statement is, the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Okay, do you believe that? Think about that, okay? Uh, Second, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Think about that. Do you believe that? Third thing out of four here, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. Do you believe that? And the fourth thing, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Do you believe that? If you believe those four statements in terms of categorization in the survey, you would be categorized as an evangelical, okay? Now, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the results, survey results on two questions on the survey from those who hold to believe those four statements, okay? All right, so statement number 16 on the survey was, the Bible, like all sacred writings, Contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. Of those who believe those four statements, 26% agreed. That's a problem, okay? Uh, Okay, Uh, statement number 31. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. Of those agreeing with the four statements, 38% agree, okay? Uh, And this is, uh, I can give you the stats going back to 2016 on the first one about the Bible. Uh, 17% would have agreed in 20, did agree in 2016, then 23%, then down to 15, I don't know if something happened with COVID, and then we bumped back to 26, okay? Okay. it's just, uh, you know, if you know anything about what the Bible teaches, um, you should not be agreeing with those statements, uh, those two statements. I, I, could, I could go on and on and on, but uh, the thing is, is what I realize is that, you know, more and more uh, we're in an age where, okay, it doesn't matter what label you're going to put on yourself, Let's get down to the brass tacks. Let's get down to what the Bible says, and do you believe that? And, and today, uh, what we're going to see is that Jesus believed the Word of God. Jesus believed the Word of God. He will say multiple times in the passage that we're going to read, it is written, it is written, it is written, quoting Scripture time and time again. Um, and he trusted in God's word, and he believed it, as we will see in this passage. So I think it's important for you to realize that, you know, um, you know, as a Christian, this is this is our this is our guidebook, okay? And it's not like suggestions in there, or like the things that you don't like, or that become culturally very sensitive. You can't just cut and paste, okay? Because the problem is, you know what happens with cutting and pasting is then you don't really know, well, what should we keep and what should we get rid of, right? How do you know then? Who are you to make those choices, right? We'll get into more of this as I kind of land the plane on the message today, but I just want you to hear just to hear the results of those surveys of people that said they believed those four things, four things that all evangelicals would hold to. Um but, but agreed with those other false statements. All right, so if you would, in honor of the Word of God, would you please stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, and we'll take a look here in Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 13. All right, so Luke 4, 1 to 13. I'll just read it, and let's listen. This is the Word of God. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For forty days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours And Jesus answered him, "It is written, "You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve And he took him, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. Now, the situation that we find ourselves here uh, as we're examining kind of uh, where is Jesus and all this, I think it's important for us to remember where we left off. Okay, where we left off in chapter 3, uh, you may recall at Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, God the Father spoke and he said these words, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So He gives this word of approval and commendation to Jesus. You are my son and I'm well pleased with you. And so then we see here in these couple of verses um, that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Spirit descended upon him as a dove there at his baptism, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So the Spirit of God is leading him out into the wilderness, and he's going to be tempted, right? And so the next verse says this is that for 40 days, Being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, so he's fasting. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And so, a couple of things here. One is, I want you to notice that as we go through these temptations, uh, almost every one of them, you can relate them back to the wilderness, wilderness wanderings, okay, of Israel, wandering in the desert them being tested or attempted in the same ways but failing. Remember how I said how we ended with uh, Adam in the genealogy, right, uh, in representative of the human race. And uh, so here we have Israel, God's chosen people uh, of the human race at that time. And, and And as we look upon them in the Old Testament, we see in the Exodus, you're going to see Several times here, there's three temptations, and each one of those temptations, Jesus comes back with a quotation from Deuteronomy, okay? And he is quoting, basically, uh, the words of God to God's people when they failed these tests, okay? So, we have Jesus, uh, our victorious Savior, living his life victoriously the way it was meant to be, Right? And we will see, we'll reflect back on on a couple of these temptations that the people of God had as well. But I just want to kind of get you to see that. Um, Some people have never thought about that before, that, you know, it's it's interesting that Jesus is quoting, you know, two verses from Deuteronomy 8, one from Deuteronomy 6, and they're all pointing to these situations uh, when God's people were there in the wilderness. And here we have Jesus in the wilderness, right? Okay, now before we get into the temptations, and I just want to make note that you know uh, when we are tempted, if we want to um, if we want to remain righteous when we're tempted, it's important that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, right? And we need to be filled with the Spirit, right? And Ephesians. Uh, talks about being filled with the spirit, and really filled with the spirit is different from the the spirit being in you okay every believer has the spirit as god 's uh, uh, in a sense down payment or deposit uh, he's, He says there in ephesians one uh, that he has been given to us right every believer but It's really, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit in this way, in the way that Ephesians talks about it, it means, are we yielded? Are we we, um, letting Him have His way in our lives? Or are we saying, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it my way, for whatever reason, okay? So it's important that we... um, you know, Bill Bright with Camper's Crusade, one of the things, he's known for many things, but one of the things he's known is for a little tract. It was a blue tract with a white dove on it, I remember it. And it was basically about, you know, how to be filled with the Spirit. And he was talking about, you know, um, you know, just acknowledge before God, you know, if you're aware of, you know, sin that you're walking in, just confess it to God and then ask God to fill you. And because He commands you to be filled, and as we're yielded to Him, you know, isn't God going to honor your request if you're doing something that He's commanded you to do, right? And and He will. And so, I think it's important for us to see that, you know, as we go about just our Christian lives, not just whenever we face temptation, right, we are commanded by God to live our spiritual lives filled with the Holy Spirit, yielded, yielded and uh you know here the spirit led him somewhere, led him into the wilderness, right so not only that should we be filled with the spirit and understand what that is, but also uh, we need to expect spiritual opposition as believers. We need to expect uh, that the devil uh, is going to be behind some of those temptations now um I think we need to realize also that our own flesh plays into that as well. You can't just say the devil made me do it, okay? Okay, now the devil is involved in certain things in our lives, yes, but sometimes it's just our own flesh, okay? The world, the flesh, and the devil all play a part um, in our world that we live in, but we need to expect that we're going to have spiritual opposition and just Reminding ourselves of that fact is important to realize that in a sense, as a Christian you 've got a target on your back now right that Satan uh, he can't keep you from hell uh, uh, he can't drag you down to hell, but he he can certainly try to limit your effectiveness as a believer right your impact um, he can try to trick you, which is basically his M.O., right? Jesus calls him the, the father of lies, right? And we'll we'll see this play out here. But the other thing I want us to recognize here is the fact that Jesus himself is being tempted. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. If you turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, I'll read a couple of verses here. Hebrews 2:18 says for this is speaking of Jesus Hebrews 2:18 for because he himself has suffered when tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted Jesus is your lifeline believer Jesus is our lifeline he has been tempted and he's able to help us right there right he is he is our helper in temptation, and so that just reminds me that well, when I'm being tempted, I should run to Jesus. Actually, <laughs> in prayer, right? That's what we should do. And then um, take a look back there uh, in in uh, Hebrews and chapter four this time. Hebrews four fifteen. For we do not have a high priest, again, speaking about Jesus. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. All right, so all this to say is that you know Jesus has been through this. He can identify with you as a human. He was tempted in every way, yet with sin. And so he should be the one that we look to, we should be filled with the Spirit, and we should expect expect to get spiritual opposition. Now, let's take a look at the first temptation. Verses 3 and 4, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. So here we have... uh, Jesus being tempted to, get, to doubt God's provision and possibly to doubt God's love in the face of his circumstances. You know, isn't it interesting that he says, if you are the Son of God, he was just declared to be the Son of God by God the Father. This is my beloved Son. He heard those words. And I think this is a direct in your face to Jesus. Again, what does the devil do? He tries to get us to question the Word of God from the very beginning, right? He says to Eve, did God say that, Eve? Did God really say, oh, you'll surely not die? Here we are. Satan, he he will twist. There's usually a kernel of truth in many things that he throws our way. But I think you know he's really getting, trying to get Jesus. He's tempting Jesus to doubt God's provision. Here he is in the wilderness. He's been fasting, right? And what, and it's certainly, circumstantially, what would be the thing that to tempt somebody with this fasting? Food. You know, just wave a little Taco Bell in front of him. You know, just if so, if you're fasting, you just say, oh yeah. Well, maybe not Taco Bell. Maybe it's Chick Fil A or maybe. it's... I don't know. Maybe it's tiramisu. <laughs> yeah. I'm pointing it Alan because he makes some really good tiramisu. He'll take orders later today. <laughs> That's good. That's right. There you go. Yes. <laughs> oh, But, you know, and so he kind of, you know, I, I, how the passage ends, did you see how it says that he, 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 he left Jesus and he'll come back an, to looking for an, another opportune time? That is the way. You know, um, I don't believe the, the devil can read our minds, but I think he's a great student of humanity. And he, so he's observing things, and and so he knows weaknesses. He knows when's a, maybe a good time to try to attack or tempt. Right, and So um, Jesus comes back to this temptation. Right, being tempted to doubt God's provision and love in the face of his circumstances. Um, and Jesus comes back with, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And uh, let me just remind you, um, you know, that Israel once was miraculously delivered from Egyptian slavery, was in the desert wilderness and tempted to trust God for his provision and tempted to doubt his love. In Exodus chapter 16, let me just read for you a few verses here, Exodus 16. So now we're flashing back to God's people in the wilderness. It says, They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Oh, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. I mean, it's almost like they said, Oh, remember the good old days when we were slaves. Of course, their point is at least we had food. That, you know, they, that's, that they go on here. Um, And says, uh, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so they're hungry. You know, they've been miraculously delivered from a powerful person with almost unlimited human resources to run after them, right? And the parting of the Red Sea, and then the closing of it, you know, and just miraculous just deliverance. And they're grumbling because they don't have anything to eat. And it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And so they were doubting God's provision. They were, in a sense, kind of doubting God's love for them. And so Our enemy, Satan, will try to get us to do the same thing. When we're in a tough spot, when we're in difficult circumstances, he's going to try to get us to doubt God's love for us or to doubt that he could provide for us. It might not be food. It might be something else. But he's always gunning for the Word of God. Let me tell you, he's always gunning to try to get us to doubt what God has said. And God clearly told Jesus he was the Son of God. And he could take that to the bank. And so he quotes Scripture, and he takes God at his word. You know, I want to mention a quote here from D.A. Carson, who says of this particular temptation, here's what he says, Jesus is not saying Bible study is more important than eating. But the point here is that the Word of God is so important if there is any competition between god's word and all the demands of our immediate circumstances the word of god has to win hands down i agree with that i think that's a, that's what he's saying that's the point and so you know it's going to sometimes require sacrifice to take god at his word when you read the bible and you believe it for what it says right and and i think when we come to the scriptures we got to make sure that we come with humility and with an attitude of reception. God, I want to receive the Word of God here. I want to accept it. You know, have you ever wanted to go one way with regard to a moral choice because it was the easier way? I have. I've wanted to. sure, But then decided to go the other way because that's what God's Word says. We will be faced with these choices and decisions all the time, whether it be about, you know, uh, sexuality, how we live out our sex life, what does that look like in, in a God-honoring way, um, whether we talk about, you know, what God says about giving and will we honor Him in our giving, what He says about our relationships and how we treat each other and forgiveness or what the home looks like, what God says about the home life looks like, all of that. Now, the second temptation, verses 5 to 8, remind ourselves what that says. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. I really question the truthfulness of this statement, okay? I mean, just because the devil said it doesn't mean that he could do it. I'm telling you. Um, yes, he has limited he, he, you know he 's on a short leash. we know this in the world, and he does have power it 's limited power i don't think all these worlds were his to give, but I will say this, think about this, so he says um, he goes on um, he says, "I give it to whom I will if then you if then will you will worship me, it will all be yours." so so let's go to just, just focus on the temptation for a second. He's like, "Now, I don't really know what was going through jesus' mind uh, I don't know if at this moment in time he knew the cross was coming or when it was co- or maybe when it was coming, but part of me wants to think here that the devil's offering him a shortcut <laughs> because." You know, what happens to Jesus after the cross and the resurrection? Exaltation, right? And I just wonder if Satan's saying, listen, you know, we, can, we could bypass this thing if you'll just worship me. I'll give you all the stuff. Of course, this is a bold-faced lie. But it would be tempting if you knew what was coming. Again, I don't really know what Jesus was thinking. But Jesus is definitely tempted here to break the first commandment, <laughs> to worship somebody, worship somebody or something other than God, right? So, he's being tempted in this way. Um, and certainly, the devil does the same thing with us. You know, we might not have idols, physical idols that we bow down and worship, but there are things and people in our lives that can start to take the place, the central place that God deserves in our lives. They become the focus. They become an obsession, if you will. They become the things that we make decisions based on instead of what God says. In most all temptations that the devil throws our way, there's sort of a little promise with it. Like, oh, you know, if you do this, you know, like like at the beginning with Adam and Eve, oh, you're not going to die. You'll just become like God. So there's a little bit of a promise there. right? A false promise, but... It was there. And so we kind of think that if we kind of do it this way, that's not God's way, that that there's actually something there for you at the end of that. But I tell you what, it's nothing but disappointment, heartache, when we don't do it God's way. The devil can't give what he promises, right? We're often tempted to take the easy way, using the ends to justify the means. We have to watch out for that, right? It can be easy to kind of. Uh, Say, well, the end result of what I'm going to do is going to be good, but maybe the way I'm going to do it's not godly. Well, then that's not God's way. That's not God's way. I mean, I can think of a number of times in my work life uh, at other places, not the church, where I was tempted to uh, or even asked to do things that weren't right, that were underhanded, that were um, trying to hide things from the bosses, right? So what we have to realize is that you know we exist for God. We exist for him. Colossians 1:16. 16. You know, so if this temptation here to worship someone other than uh, the Lord God, Colossians 1:16 says for by him by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him And for him. In other words, he's worthy of our worship because everything that's here, our own lives, right, was created by him and for him. He's like, he's everything that has ever been created is for him, it's to bring him glory. And that means you, that means your life, and that means how you live your life as a believer is to be lived for him. Right. Um, I think a number of times, you know, as Christians, we've never been confronted with, we've kind of got the, you know, some Christians have the idea of they, they got the salvation down, they've embraced it, they've, they've asked for it, they've got it. But a lot of times they're not, they're, they've never been challenged to literally offer their lives to God. Like it says in Romans 12, as a living sacrifice. In other words, I'm going to live my life for God. I'm going to be actually proactive with my life. I'm going to live for God, not just kind of exist and thank you, God, for the fire insurance that I received for Jesus. No, that is not God's will. God's will for our lives is that once we're saved, that we're growing and we're pursuing His will. We're after it. We're in the Word. We're taking it in and realizing because, why is that? Because He's worthy. All things were created. You were created through him and for him. Think about that. You are on this planet because Jesus put you here, and so you are to live your life for him. That's what he wants. That's what he deserves. Jesus comes back with, Jesus answered, it is written. Here we go, right? He's got the word of God. You shall worship the Lord your God and, in him and, and only in him only shall you serve. Right. So he he's coming back with this uh, another quote from Deuteronomy. Right. And and of course in Deuteronomy we kind of get the reiteration of the law. Right. The, the original law came down in Exodus, uh, but then it gets re brought out. Right. Uh, and and re gone through. And so we're just reminded here of that first commandment. Third temptation, the last temptation. Take a look. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, here we go again, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, What? The devil knows Scripture. He's quoting Psalm 91, which says that, you know, uh, well, let's look it up before I butcher it. Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12, it says, for he will command his angels concerning you, this is about the Son of God, you know, looking ahead, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And so, the devil's quoting Scripture. Now, the thing is, yes, the devil knows the Word of God, and he loves when we twist it to our advantage. He loves when we twist it to our advantage. Like when we can say, we, we kind of like try to tweak it sometimes to like fit our lifestyle. I see that happen over and over and over again with a lot of people, is that they change their view on something that they previously held in the scriptures because it matches up with their lifestyle. Not because you know they misinterpreted the word of God. And this happens a lot. It happens a lot. So Jesus was tempted to twist God's word, and, and so we got to really make sure that we understand the word of god but jesus came back with well and so uh, satan finishes his quotation there psalm 91 and jesus says answered him said it is said you shall not put the lord your god to the test in other words i'm not i shouldn't like do stuff that's going to like see if god's going to come through for me just to see if he'll do it right it's one thing if God leads you to take a step of faith and trust His promises. It's another thing for us to put Him to the test. And the Israelites um, were doing this as well. They were, they were putting God to the test. Um, well, let me, let me read the full quotation that Jesus quotes in Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, 16 and 17 says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested Him at Massa. So there's a, at a certain location, they were testing God. It says, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He has commanded you. Now, if you go, want to go back and look up what this situation at Massa was, you've got to go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17:7, 17, 7, And it says, and He called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of God and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? say they were putting God to the test. Like, is he, is he with us or not? Even though God has proved himself over and over and over to them. It's like they were putting him to the test. What Jesus does here is just a good example to all of us that we need to really know the whole of Scripture. Right When you go to, you go to apply something to your life or interpret Scripture, Right? You don't want to just pull some verse out and say, oh, I know what that means, unless you really kind of know what, a lot, what does the rest of the Scripture say about that topic. And Jesus, you know, he was able to, to, see, to see that, oh, this is going to violate what God says over here. He wouldn't want me to do that. Right, So it's important that, right, this is no surprise you hear your pastor saying this, but that we're well-read. When it comes to our Bibles, we have to know what the Bible says. If we're going to be able to combat actually what the lies of Satan are and not, not start to incorporate cultural things into our lives that God never meant for us to have in our lives. Letting the culture press in into its mold. That's what uh, Romans says, right? To, that we're not to, not to let the world. Press us into its mold. We need to let the word of God mold us. And we're only going to be able to let that happen if we're widely read. Meaning we we know what this all the scripture takes. Now it's gonna take it takes a while to read the Bible and uh to to read it through. And I've never I've never been a person to like I, I just don't read like large chunks of scripture at a time. I typically don't do that. And so I'm just a little bit at a time person, but um, you know, um just start somewhere. Pick one book. Um shortest book in the New Testament, I think, is Titus or something, or um close to it. What's that? Oh yeah, Philemon, sorry, Philemon. Um so uh you know, pick pick a short book, read it, ask God to speak to you, right? And I, I think the thing is. Um, you can, uh, you know, you've you got to start somewhere. Don't, you know, sometimes whether it's Bible reading or whether it's some other thing. If it's large, it could be intimidating. But the thing is, you just got to start somewhere, right, and just start going at it. And I encourage people um, that are especially, especially that are new to the Scriptures, to read it with somebody. Read it with someone. Ask your questions and make sure the answers come from the Bible, right? Uh, th- this, is, this is important. You know, it's important, I think, to process the Scriptures with someone else, especially when you're not that well versed in it. But also, just even for other be- older believers, it's good for us to, to have that community as a safeguard uh, in the Word. We can check each other. We can get off course. So, um, Jesus was well-versed in the Scriptures. And remember, you can't, you can't just use, every time you think, whenever sometimes we use this stuff, we talk about this stuff, people say, well, that was Jesus. Okay, you know what? Stop the excuses. He was a man. It says in Luke, he grew in, he grew in wisdom, and stature, in favor with God and man. Okay, So, he had to learn had to learn. And so do we. And its I tell you what, it's more important than ever. Bible illiteracy is way up amongst believers. Way up. And the devil knows that. (laughs) So, he's just going to play you like a fiddle. Going to play you like a fiddle and get you sidetracked, get you off God's will. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, just, it's a warning. This is a warning. We need to be people of the book. Um, it's a challenge for all of us. We seem to find time for Netflix binging, but how about Bible binging? Right? Let's start a new trend Bible binging. Okay? Uh, some, get in the Word. I, and I know there it's hard. Uh I know it's difficult to to fit it in when you're working. I'm working in a couple of jobs myself. Okay, yeah, one of them requires I get in the word. I get that. Okay. <laughs> However, let me just say I don't have my quiet times in when I'm preaching. Okay? I have them in other places. Okay. So, um but anyway, we have we have these temptation here that Jesus says, and he just he just comes back with the word, and then we, as we mentioned earlier, the devil departs, and he says there says uh, when the devil departed when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, and certainly that's what the devil does. He looks for, um, he looks for opportunities, times when we're going to be tired, hungry, hangry, you know. You know, it's just, again, I just think he's a master student of human nature. And that's how he gets so good at tempting. And So we have to be on our guard. And again, like we started off with saying, you know, Jesus trusted in and believed the Word of God. He had it at hand in his mind. He was able to come against the temptations with the Word of God. Even more than that, we should be so thankful that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was victorious through the temptation. When all the times passed, from the very first human walked on the earth, failed. And it was necessary that he be victorious. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your Holy Spirit um, is in every believer, that we can, uh, we can be, um, as it says, filled with the Spirit as we yield to him, as we submit our heart to the Spirit, and to the Word of God. We cannot live our lives by feelings. We cannot take our signals from the culture on how we are to live our lives. We must take it from Your Word. Lord, help us to cling to it. Help us to grow in our knowledge of it. Not just the knowledge of it, but in the application of it to our own lives. As we step out in faith and we obey it, we will grow strong in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.